The New Testament reading is taken from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 23 to 28. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God and to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking for to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. Well, many thanks to John for uh, bringing us our reading this morning, and good morning, everyone. Uh, for those of you that I'm uh, yet to meet, uh, my name's Dave Greenshields, and I'm a member of the church family here, and I've got the privilege of, of picking up the baton as we continue to look at these stories of, of great faith in Hebrews 11. Uh, and this morning, we're going to turn our attention uh, to Moses, to the life of Moses, not least to the contribution to that life made by his parents, uh, and then his life itself. And as we look at these uh, snapshot moments in Moses' life, as the author moves through them at pace, we're going to see that in each of these situations, the the people of faith were under intense pressure, under intense pressure to to step back from what they believed to be true, and yet they stepped courageously out in faith. And I don't know about you, but when I look at the story of Moses, it's it's difficult to, to step into his shoes and to think that you can draw a comparison between this guy who's, who's described in Deuteronomy as, as the greatest prophet that Israel ever received and to see ourselves in, in, in those shoes um, and to think, how, what hope can I have of, of emulating the way in which he courageously stepped out in his faith and did all he could for God and his people? And yet, while it is true that Moses' life was unique, that he lived at a unique point in history and he had a unique role to play in God's plan to deliver his people, to receive the law and to to point forward to all that God was going to do in the life of his son Jesus. There are elements of his life which chime with the world in which we live. Moses and, and Moses' parents lived in a culture which placed them under intense pressure to deny what was true. Moses, uh, his parents and God's people lived in a culture where they had to make a decision as to who they were going to stand for and what they were going to stand for. And they had a challenge to decide whether they were going to stand with the people of faith or with the world. And they courageously stood together. And so this morning, as as we consider the courageous faith of Moses' parents, Moses and the people of God, it's it's my prayer that we'll be challenged to show the same courage as we go out into the world and live this week, that we'll be ready to lay down ourselves and what we might want for the salvation of others and to step out together in service of this great God that we have the privilege of calling Lord and Father. And so before we do that, uh, let me pray for us and then we'll start to look at the passage together. Heavenly Father, as we consider how your servant Moses courageously stood with your people, and was used by you in their service. Uh, Open our hearts to how we too may live lives of courageous faith, stepping out in the service of others so that they may know you. 
Amen. So we're going to start by looking at the courageous faith of Moses' parents and how that faith was ready to risk everything out of love. So verse 23 of chapter 11 says, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. We read early, didn't we? We had read for us from Exodus chapter 2, this terrible situation in which God's people found themselves enslaved in Egypt and subject to a law that, that commanded them to kill any son born to them. The Pharaoh was terrified of the rising number of the Hebrews. He perceived a threat to his power. And so he gave an explicit command to murder the sons of the Israelites. And there was no middle way because implicit in that command was also the threat that if you were not to obey the Pharaoh, you would put your own life in danger. It's helpful for us to, to, to take a moment and to imagine being in the shoes of, of those families, living under the authority of, of such a terrible law, fearing for their child or their, their grandson, their friend's son, their relative, fearing that that child could be snatched, snatched at any moment and, and cast in the River Nile to, to die. And there'd be nothing you could do to stop it, helpless in the face of such power and authority. It's one of those moments in scripture where it feels like it doesn't bear thinking about. It's so awful. And yet it is here for us to think about. By God's grace and will, it is here in his word. And so we need to pause and and place ourselves with them, with their sense of dread and grief, but also with their courageous faith. See, Moses' parents, confronted by this awful, unjust law, choose not to obey it. They choose to step out courageously and to hide their child for three months until it was no longer possible to do so and then to place him in the river. And as we heard, Exodus 2 recounts this remarkable providential work of God that led to the child, Moses, being returned to his family to be raised. All of that as a consequence of the courageous faith of his mother and father, I think it's reasonable for us to conclude, isn't it, that that when Moses returned to to his family, perhaps it's there that the seeds of the faith that he would later grow into, show and live, were sown in his parents' sacrificial love for him and for their God, in the teaching of of who their God was, how, how he was a member of the covenant people of God, a descendant of Abraham, how he was equipped to then, when he was confronted with a choice about who he would stand with, He was equipped by his parents to be ready to choose wisely. And that's a challenge for us, isn't it? That's a challenge for the whole of the fellowship of of God that we stand in here at St. Joseph's. We all have a role to play in the raising of the children and young people of our church family. And it's a specific challenge to those of us who have the privilege of, of being parents or grandparents or relatives or godparents as to thinking about how do we sow the seeds of faith now in the lives of our children that they may grow to step out in faith as Moses did. Maybe it's something as, as, as seemingly simple as, as reading the Bible together regularly and opening the opportunity for children to ask questions. Well, what does this mean? Now, we found that that often happens just about at the moment when they're meant to be going to bed. Uh, you'll get the profound question of, is there really a heaven? Or did Jesus really rise from the dead? And it's the willingness to engage with that question and to, to wrestle with it with our children. 
or to sing together, to sing Christian truth together, or surround yourself with Christian music. We'd recommend, if you haven't come across Slugs and Bugs, both the adults and the children alike, they don't, just don't be put off by the name. There's a guy called Randall Goodgame in the States who sets the words of scripture to music in a way that's brilliantly accessible for children, but of really high quality so that um, music snobs like myself can, can still engage with it and even enjoy it. And they even have a TV show that runs alongside that if you're thinking about what kind of media do you want to expose your children to. These are these simple steps we can take to expose our children to faith and to sow the seeds that they might grow into. See, Moses' parents' faith freed them from the fear they felt then because they were confidently unseen promises of, of their God. And, and that faith did more than just seek to help them sow seeds of faith in the life of their son, but also to stand against injustice. They stood against an indefensible law. Now, we're privileged this morning to gather together freely to worship, but we have brothers and sisters around the world who don't share that freedom. And we have a role to play in advocating for them, in seeking to serve them so they may enjoy the same freedoms we do. But we also know that in our own country, we are confronted by injustices and that we are challenged to stand against them. It might be that you work or um, are close to somebody who works in the medical profession and you're confronted by the injustice of our society's approach to the beginning or the end of life. Or it might be that you're a parent. Uh, I, know, I know I have this concern as a parent about the way in which the world presents themes and images which are way beyond what I would or we would think of as being appropriate or age appropriate and confronts our children with them and says, this is normal. We're challenged to look at the world in which we live and to courageously stand against what we know to be false and stand for what we need to be true. Moses' parents did that on behalf of their son and they sowed the seeds that went on to grow into the faithful life he lived. And as a church family, it's my prayer that that's something that we will step into in the weeks and months ahead. So the author to the Hebrews, having presented us with a picture of the courageous and wise, risk-taking faith of Moses' parents, then brings us the story of Moses' life. And in verse 24 it says, By faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Do if you saw there the two decisions that Moses makes in verses 24 and 25. Firstly, Moses rejects being called a son of the Pharaoh's daughter. He rejects that identity. He rejects standing in the royal household with all of the privileges that would have brought with it. He chooses to deny worldly status, to deny wealth, to deny the pleasure of the debauched court of the Pharaoh. He chooses to deny that and instead he chooses to be identified with the covenant people of God. He chooses instead to stand with his enslaved brothers and sisters. And this is... Uh, an incredible example of a world-rejecting faith, of a decision that could only be driven by a heart saturated with love and faith for God. You know, the wisdom of the world would say to us, and it wouldn't have said to Moses, give up everything that we think is of value 
whether that's financial wealth, status, sensual gratification, give that all up and be a slave. That's not the wisdom of the world, is it? And in this act of Moses, we see a foreshadowing of that command that we receive from Jesus to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and follow him. That's that same world-denying, self-sacrificial, self-denying faith. And I don't know if you've come across uh, this book, uh, Dispatches uh, from the Front. It's written by a guy called Tim Kesey. Uh, Tim Kesey is the founder and director of uh, Frontline Missions International. Uh, and that's an organization which has devoted itself to equipping the church in areas where uh, the church has been under intense pressure, whether that is um, particularly with, in this book at least, we read a lot of stories around places where the Iron Curtain fell, and so the church was able to then uh, reach back into uh, those areas and spaces uh, and beyond. And when I was writing a sermon and thinking about like, these courageous people of faith, I couldn't help but think of this book, and I was flicking through it trying to find an example, and it's almost impossible because there are so many challenging examples of courageous, self-denying, and risk-taking faith. Uh, but one in particular um, stood out to me, um, perhaps um, because of the denial of, of what their person had uh, and what they then chose to take up. And there's a guy called uh, J.D. Uh, Crowley. Um, he was a pastor in Hawaii, uh, which sounds like, you know, sounds all right, doesn't it? He's a, he's a pastor in Hawaii for over 10 years uh, with his wife, um, had a successful ministry there. But then as he uh, read and learned about what had happened in and around Cambodia, uh, especially under the kind of evil dictatorship of Pol Pot, felt a real call to that part of the world. And so left, he and his, he and his wife left um, sunny Hawaii, I mean, for imagine sunny Cambodia, but um, they left the, the luxury, the relative luxury of, of Hawaii for Cambodia um, and have ministered there faithfully for over 10 years now, um, seeking to encourage and equip the church uh, in a place where there is still uh, the after effects of, of awful events and continue to be. And they travel from village to village and from town to town, equipping the people to share the good news of Jesus. And what's really moving in the, in the chapter uh, about that uh, mission is the way in which um, J.D. Crowley knows by name all these people who are serving some of the most, um, the pe people who are suffering some of the most serious disadvantages the world could throw at them. And yet this guy knows them by name and he knows the people who are serving them by name and he stands shoulder to shoulder with them, serving Christ in that place. So if you're looking for a half-term treat, those of us who are in education have the, the, the week off ahead, I, you know, I rec heartily recommend treating yourself to that for something to read, to be encouraged this week. The challenge of a book like that is thinking, well, how do I stand in comparison? In the same way we have that challenge with Moses. And yet that call to, to self-sacrificial self-denying faith is, is the same to us as it is to them. And it will work itself out in our lives in different ways. Uh, when we look at the example of Moses, it might be that we're being called this morning to refuse social status and instead to be identified as a child of God. Uh, I know that it's all too easy in my professional and personal life to, to deny the truth of who Jesus is to fit in, to seek progression over faithfulness, or to seek just the easy path in conversation. And we have to resolve to, to push back against that and to stand for what we know to be true instead of what the world might expect or want us to say or do. Perhaps Moses chose ill treatment instead of fleeting pleasure. He said no to life in the court of the Pharaoh with all of the riches that that would have brought, but also the, 
the sensual pleasure that, that history tells us was part of that environment. He, cho- he chose to say no to that. And for some of us, that might be a particular challenge this morning. There may be sins that we're clinging to that we, we know are empty and yet we can't say no to or feel that we can't say no to. And we need this morning to resolve to reject and to step out and not to be slave to any longer. And if that chimes with you particularly, please, please seek out a brother or sister in Christ to be accountable to and to pray with you through that process. And Moses took on the reproach of Christ instead of great wealth. Moses found his security in his faith and not in the status or the financial gain that being in the court of Pharaoh would have granted him. We have that challenge too in the way we approach money. The Generosity Project has presented us with that challenge, hasn't it? How do we use what we have to serve others as well as ourselves? How do we see Jesus as the source of our satisfaction and our stability and our security? And to see being identified with him as of greater value than what we might own temporarily. Perhaps that's something that chimes in this morning. Perhaps the, the CAP money course is a great place to start to look at how you can release some of your finances to serve the church. And what's remarkable about all these great examples of self-denying, courageous faith in the life of Moses is this all happens before he publicly stands up and commits himself to stand against the Pharaoh and, and to stand with the people of God and to stand for their freedom. Moses makes these choices in his heart first and then steps out in faith. We face the same challenge this morning. We face the same challenge not to fear the world, not to fear the world, but to step out in faith and to be sustained by the God who loves us and the God who granted us gracious fellowship with him through his son. It's a radically countercultural call, isn't it? It's a self-sacrificing and cross-carrying faith. It's a faith that serves others above ourselves. It's the faith of Moses, but it's our faith too. Finally, uh, the writer of the Hebrews confronts us with how courageous faith stands in fellowship with the faithful. Verse 28 tells us that by faith, Moses kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. The Passover is a very strange story. If you go back to Exodus and read through the chapter, the chapters on the Passover, we're presented with an unusual picture. And and because it's so familiar to us, it's quite easy for us to, to brush over quite how strange it must have been to be in the house of the Hebrews, or house of the Hebrews, that night as they were called to to, to daub the blood of the lamb on their doorposts. Those those Israelites had seen God work nine plagues in progression as Moses went to Pharaoh again and again and demanded that he released God's people. But in the 10th plague, there's something different. The 10th plague also calls for an act of faith on the part of the Hebrews. It calls for them to do something. And it must have felt really odd, foolish even, when Moses or the news was passed to you from Moses, that you had to take perhaps your most treasured, your most valued possession, an unblemished lamb, something that was probably of your greatest monetary worth, and to kill it. And not only were you to to kill that lamb, you were then to gather its blood and to put it on your doorposts. I mean, what a thing it must have been to stand within the door. Oops, that's the screen behind me. What a foolish thing it would have been to, to stand behind your door, ready to step out with this blood, ready to paint the door for anything. What am I doing here? 
what, what is going on? And yet, as you stepped out of the door, you would have seen your brothers and sisters at their doors doing the same thing. What an encouragement it must have been to think, as a people of faith, we are united and bonded to one another. We don't stand alone. And the annual repetition of the Passover, and I think this is remarkable, Moses passes on this instruction to do this year on year, to remember this, to tell this story year on year to God's people before they're free, before the the plague of the firstborn has happened, before the destroyer has, has passed over the house of the Hebrews and into the house of the Egyptians, before the people have left Egypt, crossed the Red Sea, and made it to the Promised Land, they're told year on year, remember this. Remember how you have been redeemed and saved by your God. Be courageous together. And what an act of faith it was to do it. And what a remarkable thing it then led to for God's people. Now, earlier this morning, we we were talking about intersections in our lives where we're confronted by injustice. Whether we were thinking about our cultures that disregard for the value of the rights of the the unborn child, or for those who are approaching the end of life, or, or how the world presents to our children and young people dark and morbid and sinful themes and tells them that it's normal. And we, in the face of those injustices, are not helpless. We are bonded in unity together as a people of God, and we can stand together in the face of those things. We can be bonded and pray together. And so whether you are a medic or an educator, a parent, a grandparent, a friend, a godparent, seek out the opportunity to to pray through these things and to pray for wisdom as to how we should, as a people, stand for what is good and what is true and what is right. How can we show the same courageous faith that Moses and God's people showed in the face of terrible injustice, but also to celebrate the reality of the living faith they had. How do we do that together? This morning, let's, let's commit to praying together for wisdom, but also praying together for how we should act and what we should do. And when the writer of the Hebrews draws to a close this great kind of list of the champions of faith that they present to us in Hebrews 11, the writer presents us with a challenge. And that challenge is this we're challenged to lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And we're challenged to run with endurance the race set before us. So we're challenged to lay aside the weight of sin. We're challenged to run with endurance together, bonded by unity, the the race set before us. And we're challenged to look to Jesus. Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, to, to see in his lived example the challenge to us this morning. And we've seen here how how Moses and his parents, they did those things. They They laid aside the weight of the world in which they lived, the challenges they faced, and they ran with endurance. And a remarkable thing that the author of Hebrews says, you know, Moses did this in view of Christ, hundreds of years before, in view of all that God was going to do through Christ. We have the privilege of looking back and knowing what God did through Christ. And we have the privilege of gathering here this morning in praise of this great God, in gratitude for all that Jesus has done, and also in gratitude for the gift of the Spirit who is at work this morning in our hearts and will stir our hearts to sing praises to him. So why don't we um, stand now to sing together? We're going to sing two songs. Uh, The first song we're going to sing together gives us a chance to remember the enduring goodness of the promises of God and his word. Are they true each morning and night? 
And the second song gives an opportunity to recommit ourselves to Jesus, to recommit to seeing him as the finest, most greatest, most precious treasure and to serve him afresh.